0: better get out of the way talk a lot of games. But believe me, back it up check the stats they adding up elusive no second us run the play gotta get it high, go when the fence and toes chai knows, yeah you know the scope run the play run the play run the play run the
1: play shout out shout out sadiq put that together it's just fire as always this is run the play my name is obes and i'm chai this week we're joined by special guests. If you listen to the Chicken Social, you know this man quite well. You know what I'm saying? The Teflon one. Nothing sticks to this nigga. Humble Teej, man. What's going on, Humble Teej?
2: What's up, y'all? The music was fire. Shout out to D. You said you said D did that. Shout out to D. That was fire. Sadiq, Sadiq
0: Smith, and I, Sadiq, shout and I, out I, to yes. Sadiq Smith. I, I definitely sorry. produced that beat. I don't know why you you just going, you just going. I like, forgot. I yeah, forgot. Oh, oh you, oh, you Chai, forgot. Chai I produced also, the beat. Oh, okay. Yeah. I okay. produced oh, okay. the beat.
1: I forgot because yeah. <laughs> Sadiq had sent me like a demo, which I thought, well, maybe one day you'll hear. It. You probably won't. But I thought was super fire. And then Chao was like, I can actually improve upon this. And then and then he did. So shout out to Chao.
0: Very dope. Well. Shout out Cha. Thank you. This is, I just want my due props and respect on this here show. That's all I'm asking for. That's all I'm asking for. Because my teams ain't respecting me. You know what I'm saying? So I at, nope, no, at least want respect on my own platform. That's all I'm asking.
1: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. On that note, child, what
0: do we have? what do we have up first? So first up, we got to talk about some college football. Let's do that. So
1: y'all know... Shaw and I went to University of Houston, the UH fans. You know what I'm saying? Not the season we would have hoped for, but we just beat Tulsa to improve to four and seven. You know what's interesting is that I've I've looked at this whole season, all the people who have transferred in, all the people who are sitting out red shirting, and I look at what's possible for next season, and I feel like you know we're gonna be really good next year. And then today at the conference, uh, well, the AAC conference call. Somebody asked uh, Dan, head coach Daniel Holgerson about you know sort of the prospects for next season, and he basically said, "Oh, don't worry, that they, they 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 nobody nobody's down here. We all know what we have coming back next season." So I don't know, but feel like I feel like the future's bright. Future's not so bright at uh, our guest school. So Tej, as you know, your head coach was the head coach at the University of Houston before. Had two one exceptional season, one pretty good season. Y'all decided in your infinite wisdom over at the 40 Acres to hire him away from UH, despite our best efforts. And uh, this man has been nothing but the epitome of arrogance <laughs> during the three <laughs> seasons that, that he's been at the University or Texas. Is- wait, is this season four or three?
2: This is season three.
1: Season three, okay. In the three seasons that he's been at the University of Texas. First season he comes in, this man with Charlie Strong's recruits had the nerve to say the cake is baked, meaning that oh, we're already good to go. We're gonna we're gonna be winning ten games out the gate. They did not. They did not. Uh, I remember last year, you guys somehow with four losses <laughs> made it to the what was it, the Sugar Bowl? Sugar and then Bowl. Beat, jo- beat Georgia, and Sam Mellinger out here talking about Longhorn Nation. We're back after a four loss season. I thought that was embarrassing personally, but they didn't ask me. Whatever, it's fine. And then this year. I mean, do you, what 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 do you what do you make of this? You guys are sitting at 6 and 5 right now. Narrow a narrow one over Kansas, you just lost to Baylor. You were dominated by Baylor actually, and something that would have been inconceivable coming into this season. What are your feelings on uh head coach Tom Herman at this juncture?
2: Well, I definitely agree that he's super arrogant and it hasn't been great. It's been ugly, man. It's been It's not even one of those teams where you could point at one problem and see that that one problem like persists week to week. It's literally like Jekyll and Hyde. One week, the defense will show up and the offense will be trash. The next week, the offense will show up and the defense will be trash. Against Baylor, our defense wasn't half bad for like three quarters, but our offense literally couldn't move the ball. Sam looks like he's regressed pretty badly. It doesn't look like the guys are giving him his best effort. It's just, it's a mess. Both the offensive and defensive coordinators have been highly criticized, but when that's happening, I like to go to the guy at the top. He's supposed to be the guy to get everybody ready. And the way that Texas has been recruiting, you just can't accept a seven and five season. And that's seven and five if we beat Texas Tech. Who knows at this point? So we lose to Texas Tech, wound up six and six. That's not getting it done. So things are bleak. They're not going to fire him because they just extended him and his buyout's huge, but I'm to the point where I'm pretty ready for him to go. But at the very least, we're going to see some changes with the coordinators. Possibly both coordinators gone, and we'll see what happens. But I'm not looking forward to next year already, man. Things look bad.
0: I'll say this because I I won't blame all y'all Texas fans, but I will come after the Texas boosters. This is the guy y'all wanted. You know, as yep. a collective. this the coach,
2: coach O got hired at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like. You know, it's we, we were in Austin when this all happened. Yeah. So it's like. like we were, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Cha. Yeah, because we were celebrating our, our father's birthday, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like um, the Texas Boosters insisted on poaching a coach from the University of Houston because that's what everybody in the Big 12 loves to do. You know, Baylor did it. A uh, and M when they were still in the Big Twelve they did it. You know what I'm saying? So of course Texas was eventually just gonna do it. You know what I'm saying? And, and but y'all see what happens. Y'all see what happens when when coaches get poached from UH. All right, it always ends up bad. Always, without fail. So was, that, 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 that's three for three. Y'all should learn better. Okay, there's something magical at this in this city that once once they leave the city, everything goes to hell. All right, stop poaching coaches from UH. Don't do it. That's an interesting point. So I forgot that Art Bryles
1: was indeed the coach at UH before going to Baylor and taking like RG3. People don't know this. RG3 was committed to play at UH and then he followed Art Bryles to Baylor. Can you imagine RG3 in Conference USA. Oh my God. That would have been. Mm. Anyway.
0: Anyway. So
1: let, let, let's say like like you just discussed. Chief. Let's say that RG3
2: too. We recruited RG3 at safety.
1: What? Yeah, he 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 would have gone to Texas too. <laughs> you don't had, remember had this. Yeah, he,
0: like, he, wanted, he wanted he wanted to go to, go to Texas. Texas. Yeah. Like
2: like, like he said, to Texas. sure you can come, but you got to play safety. Hold up, hold up. So how did Texas not get
0: him or Andrew Luck?
1: <laughs> so Andrew Luck actually. I don't even get me started you know, on the list, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so so even though Andrew Luck, you mean he was coming out of college, you know he, they're talking about accurately to 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 their credit, they're talking about he was the greatest quarterback prospect since John Elway, which he was. Uh, he sort of came into playing quarterback relatively late. He had been playing linebacker in middle school. wasn't He didn't start playing quarterback till high school. Mm. So like he had shown obviously a level of talent like that. Jim Harbaugh was aware of him. Matter of fact, he he came very close to going to Rice of all places because Tom Herman was one of the assistants at Rice and brought uh. Andrew Luck on for an official visit. Like they got Andrew Luck for an official visit. Okay. At Rice. Do you know the Do you know the, you know you the you... full
0: story about that? Yeah. Man, go ahead tell it. So,
1: <laughs> the way Tom Herman tells it, is that he was the he's one of the assistants at Rice. The managed, and it shows you Tom Herman is a great recruiter. I'm sure, as you're aware, teacher. Tom Herman is a great recruiter. He can get the talent in there when he wants to. Yeah, he's been doing a good
2: job on that. In
1: yeah, yeah. So he he identified Andrew Luck who was, by all accounts, like a genius. The guy's super smart. So obviously he had the grades to get into Rice. So Tom Herman's recruiting him. Gets him to, to take an official visit. You know, you only get five of those. You got to choose wisely. He gets him to take an official visit to Rice. Visits going well. It's time to look at the football facility, where he'll be at. And things are looking a little rough around the, around the Rice football offices. He said, uh, Tom Herman says it wasn't quite official visit ready. And Andrew Luck looked around
0: and goes, "Ah, eh, I don't know. Thanks for no so, thanks, coach." So actually, there's actually more to the story because I actually had a fireside chat at UH when Tom Herman was there with Tom Herman. So it was like me and like eight other people. Oh uh, yeah, that's and right. So I yeah, mm-hmm. I have a, I still have a picture with Tom Herman actually. So yeah, anyway. every time you call, every time you call me, that's the picture that comes up. <laughs> so he <laughs> so <laughs> literally like. They when when he took when Andrew Luck took his official visit, they had dressed up rice to make it look like it had they had better facilities facilities than they actually had, and they were kind of keeping Andrew away from the stuff that really wasn't up to par. So, but Andrew Luck, you know, he's he's a genius, like you just said. He was like something doesn't seem right. So then they came back like without notice on an unofficial visit, and they didn't have all the you know the bells and whistles up. They actually just saw the campus for how it was. All the facilities, for how far it was, and then that was all she wrote. Yeah, just to show you, you know what I'm saying. The length yeah, that time. was a con through. artist. Yes, T, You're seeing it. You're seeing it, man.
2: You see it's it. it's ugly, man. It's it's ugly, and what I hate the most, actually, well, maybe not what I hate the most, but really, like every his arrogance in, in the post game press conferences, even when we lose, like when we almost lost to Kansas and people rightfully asked them tough questions, it was like he thought people were wrong to ask him questions when we won the game. Like, we gave up 48 points to Kansas. We had to <laughs> drop 50 on Kansas at home to beat him. And he thinks that people can't question the, the team at that point because we won the game. And it's like, bro, if you think that the standard allows you to beat Kansas 50 to 48 at home and not have to hear questions about it, like you have no your Self reflection is, is off. Like he has no sense of of self, or no sense of where the program is, and so that's how you get quotes like "the cake is baked" and all the <laughs> shit that he says that look terrible when we go out and lose the next week.
1: <laughs> I remember. I, I guess that this was two weeks ago. Now I forget who it was y'all lost to, and then he comes out Iowa uh, State. Maybe yes. I yes. It was Iowa State. Yes, and somebody asked him if he felt they had been out coached. And he says, "I'll never say that we were out coached." I'm like, "Bruh, crazy!" <laughs> you can't. I'm like, I'm saying, like, you can't blame the players every week. <laughs> like sometimes it's on the coaches, and yeah, and you have to be willing to admit. Matter of fact, uh, a story came out before this season, actually, this, this past summer, where Tom Herman is quoted as saying that last season you guys had got gotten up to a lead, and Sam Mellinger who you talk about how he's regressed. I think he's regressed because he's not getting good quarterback coaching. He did in high school. He's yeah, not now. Yeah, I agree. So Sam Ellinger comes up to Tom Herman. I think you guys must been up like 10 or 14 points. And he says, are we going to keep trying to score? Or are we going to go conservative like we always do? And Tom Herman goes, how about you play and I coach? And I was like, mm. see, bro, like if, if your quarterback comes up to you with a concern about you know the game plan is like during the game. It's like, hey, look, we have a chance to put these people away. We should do that. And like, and you, you don't even think to yourself, you know, we haven't letting people stick around a little bit. We should switch something up. Your, your, your reflex is don't question me. I, I think that's an issue.
2: That just shows you the kind of arrogance that
1: we're dealing with. It's also weird to me that he doesn't seem to want to just like run the score up on people and get like backups. Like he wants to like get up. He, he coaches kind of like Lloyd Carr at Michigan and like Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State. It's like, let's get up by 17 points and then just like, <laughs> then just sort of like bleed the clock until the game is over. I don't understand why coaches do that. It's weird to me, but coaches are weird people. I think that's just what it is.
2: It's so funny because the Iowa State game, I think, is a perfect uh, explanation of what being out coached looks like. We we literally were uber 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 conservative in the first half, and we were getting killed. And then in the second half, we were able to get it going because they stopped being so conservative. So it's, it's funny to me that that he that quote came after that game. If you watch that game, you could easily see that we were a coach out coached. So it's just that you know he's not a he's not really proven himself on the X's and O side. He's been recruiting well, and his buyout's huge. So we're gonna. You know, we're gonna, he's gonna get another year, but it's, it's not, it's not good right now. And who knows what'll happen on Thursday or Friday, but it's an ugly season. Even if we win that game, it's a very ugly season.
1: So, last bit on this, I remember I was, uh, this is actually over my, he was talking about, um, how to put together a coaching staff because, and it, it was in reference to Michigan State, who for whatever reason decided they were gonna shuffle their offensive coaching staff rather than replace people who have shown they can't coach. And, Herbert Meyer was asked, how do you put together a coaching staff? And he says, the number one thing that's most important is that every coach on my staff has to be able to recruit. But they also have to be exceptional uh, at teaching the game of football. So you can't just be a great recruiter. You need to be an excellent coach as well. It seems to me like Tom Herman only heard the first half of that. Because everybody on that coaching staff at Texas can recruit. I think they've proven that much. But it's not clear to me that everybody at mm-hmm. Texas can coach. I think that's the problem that they're facing right now. Even even Tom Herman's absurd, er- Mensa arrogance aside, it doesn't seem like the coaches at Texas can necessarily coach. And I think until they get people that can, they're going to continue
0: to have these 6-6 uh, six and six type issues. Also, in relation to Todd Orlando, I don't think it's a great strategy to blitz on every single third down. Cause, you oh, know.
2: don't even get me started, bro. Because <laughs> that's I'm... my least favorite thing ever, bro. Oh my god, we 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 have zero. We're sitting in zero coverage on every third down, and it's like we have literally lost games. The LSU game—that's how we gave up third and seventeen to lose that game. Like right? the TCU game, we literally lost that game because we just we do this all the time, and it's so frustrating because teams know what's coming. In the TCU game, the dude literally just dropped back and just tossed it up in the air. He had like three receivers just standing there, man. It's it's crazy because our secondary has been banged up all year, and it's like we don't deviate from that strategy. It doesn't matter. Like the fact that we don't have corners at certain times that you can trust one-on-one, let alone like in zero coverage, doesn't seem to dissuade him from that strategy, and we just keep running it. And it's just crazy because he won't, he won't even think about changing it. It's crazy. That's called being our coach. That's 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 what our coach looks like.
0: True indeed. True indeed. Next up, let's talk about NBA basketball. You know what? Let's talk about that. Because I know oh some God. people on
1: this podcast the last few years have said they wanted to talk shit on the Los Angeles Lakers, the greatest franchise in the history of sports. Oh, and here lo- we go. Lo- and lo and behold, this season. The franchise with 17 NBA titles is sitting atop not only the Western Conference, but has the best record in all of basketball. The Los Angeles Lakers sitting at 14 and two, playing tonight, getting ready to go to 15 and two. Once again, best record in basketball. Best record in basketball. Best team in basketball. Best team in the world right now. They've got LeBron James, they've got Anthony Davis. They've got Rajan Rondo, who sometimes looks like a functional basketball player. <laughs> they, they, they've got they got all kinds of, they, just, they have the best team. It's crazy. You know? Who would have thought, you know what I'm saying, putting Anthony Davis and LeBron James creates the best team in basketball? Oh, me, I thought that. Yeah, that's right.
0: That's right. How do the Rockets look? <laughs> Rockets look you know, Rockets well, pretty good. You know what I'm saying? Like we, you know, we we have we have our up, we have our down games, but it's basketball. You know what I'm saying? It's basketball. You know. What I mean? right. So uh right. but overall, you know, James Harden's actually been shooting more efficiently past like 10, 12 games. Um the other night we played Dallas. Um Dallas decided they want to shoot like 50% from behind the arc. Uh so uh yeah. Then um we had a chance to win towards the end, but um you know, Russ is missing missing layups, you know. He uh, you can't you really keep. do be missing layups, bro. I don't know what's going on there. Dude, just dunk it. <laughs> I don't
2: know how you doing. Boy can jump over everybody, just dunk it. Something must be wrong. All right, can I can I provide a dose of reality to the Lakers fans out there? Ooh, you can try. All right, uh oh. So the Lakers are on pace right now to win seventy two games. Yes, And they they right. are have the best record in the league. They're fourteen and two. That's unquestionably to be an amazing start. All right, yes, I can't hate on that. Now, yes. the Lakers have played like four teams that we would consider good. I think they beat two of them. They lost the two of them. The two losses are the Raptors and the Clippers. Okay. So the Lakers have no bad losses, which is great. That's what you want, right? Right. But the Lakers, their point differential does not look like a 14-2 and two team because they play every team close, no matter who they're playing. And as we're speaking right now, they're playing the Spurs, who are awful, and the score is 75-76. Every have the Lakers third... game is like this through three quarters, and that is a bad sign. I think when the schedule gets tougher, which it is, it's about to, it's going to look a little different. They're still going to be good, but the question is, can they consistently beat good teams? What does that look like going into the playoffs? But building on the easy skip part of the schedule, you're supposed to win the easy games. They've been winning the easy games. The fact that they look like they're in a tie game through three quarters Nobody cares about it now because they're winning, but it's a bad sign for a team that has championship aspirations. So I'm still waiting and seeing on the Lakers.
1: They have the third best point differential in the league right now.
2: Well, why, they, they why do we? Why, how how do y'all keep playing the Memphises of the world and the Spurs of the world? And every time in the third quarter, it's a tie game.
0: And well, for you, starters, you can't
2: they're... wait three quarters to play to play basketball. And that's what they've been doing because the schedule allows them to do that. But it's, the schedule is not going to allow them to do that much longer. It's about to get tougher.
1: Well, the Memphis game was the second game of a back-to-back. That's why they looked the way they did. It was the second game of a back-to-back, yeah. and their and their second best player is like forty-five years old. So that that's why that game was as close as it was. They win. They win. They win games on average by nine points a game. They win more. Do you want?
2: They are great in the fourth quarter. They turn up in the fourth quarter. And I'm as we're saying this, they're probably going to beat the Spurs by fifteen. But going to the fourth quarter, it's going to be a tie game, but then they're going to win by 15. That's the Lakers season. But I will say, I don't know how the hell this is happening, but KCP is starting now, and he's good. Like, he's been perfectly serviceable. Rondo doesn't look like the worst point guard in the NBA. Dwight Howard looks great. He has stretches where he looks dominant. And this is all stuff that nobody could have imagined. So if they ever like, – <laughs> this is crazy to watch. And, like, Avery Bradley is giving them good minutes, especially on defense. This is all stuff that's mind-blowing. And the fact that it's happening is a tribute to not just LeBron and AD who are great. LeBron looks even better than great. But also the coaching. And, the, you know, they have a – Vogel, we we all thought coming in that he was going to lose his job to Jason Kidd. And he's been great. He's been really good. So – uh, it, it's scary out there, and I will say the, Ra- the Lakers look significantly better than my Rockets, and that hurts me to say because the Rockets, they present some issues, bro. I'm not, I'm not very confident with them right now. For the last three games on this three-game losing streak, they've basically been uh, double-teaming Harden at half court, and Russell Westbrook, who's a formal, former MVP, is on the court with them, and they just can't make anybody pay, and that's bad. That is not good. If a simple double team could mess up our offense like it's been doing, that is very not good. And then we're playing tougher teams now. We're getting to the tougher part of our schedule. We played okay against the Clippers. We played awfully against the Mavericks. And things don't look great right now, so we got to figure it out. But I'm, I'm not impressed with the Rockets. I'm impressed with the Lakers, but it's tentative. We'll see.
1: One thing I'll say about, about Russ is ever since his MVP season, his shooting has cratered. So each of the last three seasons, his shooting percentages have gone down across the board. He's only like a 61% free throw shooter now, whereas like during his career, he's been upwards of 80%. So something is wrong with Russell Westbrook, and nobody seems to be talking about it, but I mean, he's never been as strong a finisher at the rim as his highlights would indicate. Like you never, you never know what looking at. But Steph Curry has always been a, a far superior finisher at the rim than Russell Westbrook. But something's up. He, this man is missing layups with regularity now. Like, like right. I, I, I would bet you if I looked it up, he's probably shooting under fifty percent at the rim. The
2: the issue is if you watch highlights, which. A lot of people who watch this league watch highlights, maybe not of their team specifically, but a lot of people are just watching highlights. They catch the occasional national game. If you were to just watch, if I just showed you the Russell Westbrook highlights, he would look like one of the top players in the league because he, when he does finish at the rim, sometimes he can finish in ways that make no sense. Last yesterday he had a finish where he literally went up and under and threw it up and made it. And it was like, how the hell can he make that? But he also like minutes later missed a wide open layup with no one around him. Like that that is the Russell Westbrook experience. He'll shoot mid-range jumpers. He doesn't make them very often. He can't shoot free throws. So when he does get to the rim and doesn't finish, then it's really punitive because he's not going to make the free throws. We already know he can't shoot threes, but he'll make the occasional three. And it's just like watching the highlights of Russell Westbrook would make you think that he's good. But he's really he's been really, really bad. And Harden passing to him out of a double team, and it's like Russ either goes to the bucket and misses layups or shoots in the mid-range and misses it or shoots a three and misses it. The only thing that he's really given us is passing, but other than that, he hasn't really been able to effectively beat. He's basically playing a four on, four-on-three with Harden being double teamed, and he can't seem to do it. And the second unit with, with Russ when Harden is sitting is one of the worst units in the league, no matter who we put out there with Russ. It's just been awful. That's not all his fault. Our Some of our guys are hurt, and our bench is just atrocious. It's just really bad. We're giving Ben McElmore, like, big minutes, and he's really, really bad. He's shooting, I saw a stat today, shooting, like, 23% on wide-open three-pointers. That's just not getting it done. So I don't know about the Rockets, bro. I, we, we, we might be fraudulent out here. We were winning games against bad teams, not always looking great doing it. But now we're playing better teams and we're not getting the wins. So I don't think that we are a top-tier team right now, at least not at all.
1: So let me let me just just to expound what you're talking about with Russell Westbrook. Let me read you his. I'll give you the stats and give you that the deeper shooting numbers on top of that. So he's shooting, he's scoring 22 points a game, which on the surface seems very good, right? Especially playing alongside James Harden, seven assists a game, almost eight rebounds a game. So just on the surface, like in a vacuum, if I told you somebody was scoring twenty-two, seven and seven, or seven and eight, you'd say, "Wow, that you think is... they were playing well?" Right, exactly. Right, and then his usage is is thirty-two, is thirty-two point one, which is pretty high, honestly, considering these following numbers. He's shooting forty-one percent from the field, twenty-three percent from three, and only shooting seventy-one percent from the free throw line. That's that's really bad shooting numbers. By comparison, James Harden is shooting, and again, he's not shooting great on the season. Although he's been shooting a lot. He's been shooting a lot better over the last ten games or so. He's shooting forty four percent from the field, thirty four percent from three, and eighty six percent from the field. I mean, from the free throw line. So his true shooting percentage is sixty two percent, which is elite. Whereas Russell Westbrook's true shooting percentage is forty nine point six, which is pretty bad. So Jeez. again, like something's wrong with Russell Westbrook. I don't know what it is. He seems to be healthy, but even when he was still with OKC and being able to do whatever he wanted to do, his shooting has fallen off each of the last three seasons since he won MVP. So I don't know if he needs to talk to a sports psychologist or if he just needs rest or what, but something's going on there that nobody seems to be talking about because he's been
2: shooting terribly the excuse that people used when he was in OKC was that, you know, the defense every day is queuing on him. And I was like, one, that, that excuse didn't look nearly as good when Paul George got there because he's playing with Paul George, but the shooting didn't improve. And I thought that was a really bad sign because it's not now you can't go into the game and just key on Russ and Russ has no shooters around them, which is what everybody would say. Now Russ is basically playing four on three when hards on the floor and he still can't shoot. So it's like, it, it's bad, man. It's there's, and we're running out of excuses for the guy, and he's got to shoot better. And if they're just going to double team Harden at half court, he sh- he has to murder defenses. He has to play so well that defenses say we literally can't double James Harden. Now you got James Harden one on one, and he destroys teams. But if they're going to be able to double team effectively, double team James Harden at half court, and Russ and the other four guys on the court can't make them pay, we're in trouble, man. Because every team that's not even like a strategy you have to prepare, you know. Teams don't go into regular season games with defensive strategies. They just play defense. But if everybody sees that Harden is going to shoot, you know, only 16, 17 times in a night if you double him, and he's going to shoot thirty-five times in a night if you leave him in single coverage, they're just going to double him every night, and someone's going to have to shoot and make him pay. And so far, we don't look like we're able to do that. It
1: is really mind blowing that in the NBA. You can have two MVPs on the floor and teams will look at one of them and say, Oh, we don't have to really cover that guy. Like it 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 does not make any like imagine last year, right?
2: It's crazy. Like like, imagine last
1: year. Imagine last year with the Warriors when they had Steph and KD, right? Do you think anybody ever thought with both of them on the floor? Oh, let, let's double team Steph and make him pass it to Kevin Durant. <laughs> like, do you think, think anybody ever thought of that? I like, think anybody thought let, let let's make them give the ball to Kevin Durant with 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 a with a man advantage on, on offense. No, nobody ever thought that. But people are doing that every night with Russell Westbrook. And he like you would think with numbers to get to the especially with how well Clint Capella's been playing
0: recently. Man, he's
2: he, been playing. He had twenty
1: one and twenty two last night.
2: He, and like, he's Russ like is the still second out here player like... since Dennis Rodman to have seven straight games of 19 rebounds. Nobody could have predicted this, by the way. Clint Capella has been so soft, and all of a sudden, he's just like rebounding everywhere. And I saw somewhere, somebody said, uh, nobody's talking about the fact that Clint Capella's rebounding numbers are going up because Russ has given him more bricks to rebound. But uh, <laughs> he, he's he's been good, man. And still, we can't make teams pay. It's frustrating
1: Here's another thing I'm seeing James is having to play too many minutes Because Russ can't get it
0: done His minutes are very hot And Russ began to foul trouble too
2: He really does
0: Like he's like like James is doing all this stuff in spite of Russell Westbrook Like James James is playing 37 minutes a game right now man It's
2: too many minutes I always think that he's playing too many minutes but now we have Russell Westbrook, and he's still playing too many minutes. But it's because, like I said, that when Harden sits, that Russell Westbrook unit, no matter who he's on the floor with, has has been atrocious. Like It's been awful. So he, he doesn't feel comfortable sitting long minutes. And who's going to tell him that he shouldn't play more minutes? Mike D'Antoni has no power. Harden does whatever the fuck he wants to, so he gets right back out there. But it's like if Russ can't run that second unit to at least play teams even, we're in trouble, man. We're in big trouble.
0: Yes, finally we gotta talk about some college basketball.
2: This what I've been waiting for.
0: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So,
1: <laughs> but before before we started recording, uh, Michigan State, in typical fashion, they do this every year. You'd think I'd learn and stop being frustrated by it, but I haven't. Uh, they they they, uh, they went they went to the the Maui Invitational and lost number three ranked Michigan State, by the way. And honestly, they do deserve the ranking based on who's on the team and who's coaching the team, but we'll get to that in a second. Just lost at Virginia Tech because they decided they want to turn the ball over 16 times and give up 20 points off those 16 turnovers in a game that they lost by five. So uh, I'll say what I have to say, but to use the floor is yours. I know you've been wanting to talk about this for like an hour now,
2: so go ahead. <laughs> I, I just found it funny, but first of all, these games don't matter at all. Like these, these basketball set up, especially college basketball set up, so where your November losses mean nothing. We care about your November wins. As long as you don't get blown off the floor, we don't really care about your November losses. So, who cares? Izzo always does this. He's always taking teams deep in the tournament. Michigan State's going to go to the Final Four probably, but it was still fun to watch them lose. But fuck Virginia Tech. I hate Virginia Tech, so I really didn't want Michigan State to lose to them. <laughs>
1: Here's what gets me about Tom Izzo, right? He, he, he is all at once uh, very innovative as a coach, but then he's also like mind-numbingly old school at the same time. So the old school coaching method is once somebody gets – because you only get five fouls in college basketball. So the old school coaching method is once somebody gets two fouls, you pull them for the rest of the half so they don't get that third foul. But what we're noticing now as people look into analytics more and more – is that oftentimes people don't get that third foul. Like, or or if they do, it'll be like late in the second half. So for example, Michigan State's best player is Cash Winston. Like by far their best player. They do not look anywhere near as cohesive on offense when he's not out on the floor. He got his second foul, I think, nine minutes into the first half and sat the rest of the half. And Michigan State was not able to build a lead. Matter of fact, they went to the half down four. Cash Winston, I mean, he, he, ended up, he ended up only with four fouls. He didn't foul out of the game. So, really, I would, and I, and I think later in the season, like if they were playing, like if this were against Duke, which they played soon, or if this were, you know, late in the Big Ten's uh, schedule and, and games that they needed to win to win the regular season title, he probably leaves them in to to learn how to play with fouls or just trust him not to get that third foul. But, you know, Cash Winston only took eight shots today. There should never wow. be a situation where Cassius Winston I don't care that he only played really the second half. There should never be a situation where Cassius Winston takes as many shots as uh the sixth man. But well, at Tom Izzo was like, hey man, should you had two fouls. <laughs> Come out of the game. You're not gonna play again the rest of the half. Even though they lost. He's like, eh, whatever. Like, like he'll he'll play weird lineups. Like 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 he played uh the the technically backup point guard really is like the third string point guard for ten minutes today. That's way too many minutes for that guy to be playing. But he did it. Like he, like he played uh he gave gave the, the he gave their their third string power forward some minutes today. Like he played how many, how many people time people a play played today? It's five, ten. He, Tom Ezo played eleven players today, at least three minutes. Eleven. Like, I promise you, when he, when, they, when he gets down to it in the conference season, he's not going to be playing 11 players a night. But here he is tonight. He's like, hey, let's see what works. <laughs> he does this every year. I've been following Michigan State for like 20 years. You'd think by now I'd be like, well, this is just what he's going to do. But no, every year I'm out here watching, Tom, what are you doing? Why are you – why are these people in? I'm just going to stop watching the games until Big Ten uh, conference play starts. But <laughs> – I will watch them play Duke, though, uh, assuming they're not down 30 points early. So, like, assuming they're not down 30 points early, I'll watch that game. Yeah, the Michigan State finally beat Duke in a game that matters uh, in the Elite Eight last year. I did not expect that yet. Literally, I was sitting in my apartment in Dallas. Like, I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink anything. I I was, like, on the edge of my seat. And then they... They won, and I ran around my apartment screaming. I'm sure there's people around, like, "Yo, what is going on in that apartment?" But <laughs> yeah, man, I was a huge monkey off Tom Izzo's back. Literally, he had only beaten uh, Coach K once in like the previous 12 games they played. Which, like, you'd think that he would have won one by accident <laughs> during the course of those those losses, but he finally did it. Then, uh, only to then lose a big recruiting battle because Michigan State was. Really, Vernon Carey Jr.'s final two was Michigan State and Duke. And then he chose Duke. So that would be interesting to see how Michigan State... They, Duke does not have anybody like like Zion. I mean, there's no Zion Williamson in college basketball this year. But, like, Duke is, is pretty good, I would say. They're not as talented as they were last year where they had two of the top... What is it? Or three of the top ten picks, right? They're,
2: yeah, it's going to be... It's, it's It's a much different team. It's going to be much more spread out already our scoring distribution has just been all over the place in terms of who's hot on that night. Uh, you know, you got a lot of freshmen who are talented, but you don't have like a go-to automatic number one overall pick. Probably might not have a top five pick on the team. But uh, it's, been, uh, it's been up and down so far, but we haven't lost yet. So we'll see. But it's gonna, there's going to be some nights where we struggle to score, but I think defensively we'll be really good. And we kind of struggled on that in last year.
1: Be very interesting because Michigan State, I'm sure they'll pull out because the game is at Michigan State. So I'm sure they'll pull yeah. out all the stops defensively. We'll see if they can get any calls against Duke, which is very hard to do to get an even an even game by the referees when you play against Duke. But um uh, I'm excited. We'll see how that goes. I'm sure, especially after after losing today, I'm sure Michigan State will come out with a chip on their shoulder against Duke. So I'm very excited about that one. We'll have more on that one uh, as we get closer to that game.
0: It's time for everybody's favorite segment. (laughs) College football week 14. (laughs) It's time, baby. It is time. You know that you can say that word. It's rivalry. No, man, look. Look, I can say it, but at this point, yo, we done copyrighted. We done copyrighted. It's all right, we copyrighted it now. It's ours. All right, it's our thing. Nobody else has a bleep them. All right. Anywho, it's rivalry week. Rivalry week. Let's start off with uh, some of the lesser games, like uh, Texas versus Texas Tech. Who you like?
2: Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess I'm picking Texas, but. Man, don't don't quote me on that, and definitely don't go bet based on what I just said because it's ugly. I doubt Texas plays hard. Sam hasn't looked good in probably a month. Texas Tech is really bad though, but I mean Texas is really bad. I think it'll be close. Uh, give me Texas by three.
1: So Texas, uh, Tom Herman is not quite coaching for his job like you said repeatedly they they're paying him too much money and his buyout is too big so they're not going to fire him although they are probably going to lean on him to get new assistant coaches which they should yep um but yeah Texas Tech is horrible jesus they <laughs> they're they're really bad uh all I mean you know what you just never know some of these Texas schools they come up and they're like oh I I wanted to go to Texas and they didn't recruit me and da 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 even with all that being said, Texas just has too many talented players. Even with all the injuries, they still have better players than Texas Tech. So I'll say Texas by touchdown.
0: All right, next up. Number 19, Cincinnati at number 18, Memphis. This is for a New Year's 6 bid. Really, whoever wins this is going to the NY6. Well, hang on a second, because those two, they still have to play a conference championship game. Yeah, but these are two, the two, like, two of the best teams in the conference. I, I assume that whoever wins this is probably going to win next week. I guess we'll see.
1: We'll, 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 we'll talk this is going to be that a great
2: game. game. This is going to be a great game. I wish this game was on Thanksgiving. Because I don't have shit to watch on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Who y'all like? I'm going to go with Memphis. I think Memphis is, is going to do it. I really like the Memphis defense and the Memphis run, run game and the games i have seen them play this year. Uh, it's definitely going to be a good game, but I'm going to take Memphis in a close one.
1: So Cincinnati's quarterback is terrible. Like honestly, I think I mean they've only lost one game this year. That was so the juggernaut that is Ohio State, but they've 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 made a lot of games a lot closer than they needed to be because their their quarterback sucks so bad. Um, and then on the, then on the other side, I really want Luke Fickle, Cincinnati's head coach, to be the next head coach of Michigan State, and I think him winning games like this will speed up him leaving Cincy and not being able to go to Michigan State. So Memphis wins it. So that he stays at Cincy one more year, <laughs> so 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 Mark and D'Antonio can can retire with some some amount of dignity, I guess, and then uh, Luke Fogle can go to Michigan State. So Memphis wins by uh, two touchdowns. Yes.
0: Next up, we have number nine Oklahoma at number twenty one Oklahoma State. Is this the year Okulite does it? No, it's not. <laughs> no, no, it's not. No. They never
2: win
1: that shit. <laughs>
2: and I can't believe Oklahoma State is ranked again. I didn't know they were ranked again.
1: I didn't either. That's that's surprising.
2: Well, they got to rank them out I'm, to twenty five. I'm not. Uh, that's not going to happen. Oklahoma is actually not great this year. Uh, well, compared to other years, obviously they're they're they've been playing pretty well. But uh, I don't know, man. I'm that Oklahoma team is that defense is still not quite where they want it to be. That Baylor game, although they won it, they didn't look great in it. I don't think this is your same Oklahoma, but they're definitely still good enough to beat Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. And they always get up for the Oklahoma State game. And Oklahoma State always talks a big game, and they come in and get killed. So I'm taking Oklahoma.
1: So people talk about Bedlam, right? Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State like almost never wins that game. It's like They talk about anything can happen. As long as uh Oklahoma wins, <laughs> that's what <laughs>
2: happens. Well, what I can't
1: remember. I can't remember seeing Oklahoma lose to Oklahoma State in this game. It like, in like, no lifetime? matter what Oklahoma State does, Oklahoma wins the I, game.
2: I think it's been like a very long time since it's happened. I can't remember one. I can't remember one where Oklahoma State actually beat them.
1: Yeah, I, I'm 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 like racking my brain really hard that I can't remember <laughs> a time I saw Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma. Well,
0: I guess we have our our answer. No, it's not. (laughs) This is is not the year. Oklahoma by three touchdowns. A more competitive game. Yes. Number 12, Wisconsin
2: at number 10, Minnesota. Ooh. Ooh, This is gonna be a great game. Who you like, Teach? I like Minnesota. I was watching Wisconsin this weekend. uh, Last weekend, and I did not Wisconsin's weird, man. I feel like after they lost the game, I've watched them after that loss, and they just don't look as good. Meanwhile, Minnesota is still having like one of the best years in Minnesota history. Although they lost the big game to Penn State, or they beat Penn State, but they lost to who? They lose to Ohio State or, or Michigan? Some, they, lost no, they
1: lost to lost to uh,
2: Iowa. Oh yeah, Iowa. That's what it was. So, they're still having you know one of the best years in their history. I think they're going to come out playing hard. And I, I, like, uh, I like Minnesota in this game. They got some great receivers at Minnesota, which is so weird to see. It's kind of weird to see any Big Ten team that's not Ohio State have good receivers. But those those Minnesota receivers really get it done. I think Minnesota's going to win this game because Wisconsin still doesn't have a quarterback. Like they, they just can't never manage to have a quarterback who's worth a damn. And they have one of the best running backs in the country, but it's not going to matter because Minnesota's going to keen on the run. Then they're going to force the quarterback to beat him, and he won't. So I'm thinking Minnesota the close one.
1: I think if the game had been at Wisconsin, I would choose Wisconsin to win. Just because, I mean, it's probably going to snow no matter, which, no matter where the game was at. Because that's that's what happens in Big Ten games in November. But, um, yeah, it's it's at Minnesota. They've got really good quarterback play. They've got really good running back play. They've got really good receiver play, like you just said. And I don't know what it is. PJ Fleck. That whole roll the boat shit that he got going on there. Roll the boat. He's uh he's got it going, man. I like I like Minnesota to go to their first ever Big Ten championship game. They're gonna and they're gonna win by 10 points. Two scores.
0: Next up, we head out to Auburn, Alabama, where Tide plays the war damn eagle. Who y'all like? That's a good
2: that's Ooh. a good question. It was a tough one. I'm taking Auburn. I'm taking Auburn with upset. I like this Auburn team, man. I I really do. I think this is prime time for them to get a big win that they desperately need. I'm taking Auburn to get the upset. Tua is obviously not playing anymore. Big props to Tua, but I'm taking Auburn and a comeback. I think they're going to get down by like 14 and then come back and win it.
1: I like Auburn. Auburn. Wait, let's see, where's the game at? The game is, oh sure. So the game's at Auburn and Jordan Hare, Jordan Hare yeah. Stadium. Yes. Auburn's defense is great. Their offense is a little shaky. <laughs> but but their defense is great. Tua out for the season. He's not gonna be there. Mac Jones has not played anybody with a pulse yet. Man. You don't want to bet against Nick Saban. You know, they they still have, I guess, an outside shot. Of getting into the playoff, although not really, because not going to be have a chance to play for the conference. But um, it's at Jordan Hare, and uh, and uh, Gus Malzahn once again coaching for his job. And whenever he does that, he seems to beat Alabama. So uh, I like uh, I'll, I'll take Auburn in the upset, mild upset. The only fit Alabama actually only favored by four points.
2: Wow! Bet the house on Auburn to cover. <laughs> they just need the Auburn quarterback needs to outplay Alabama's backup. Auburn's quarterbacks have some growing pains, but he just needs to not make the big mistakes in this game and let Alabama let uh let the defense go win it for him. Now recall. some might
0: call this the greatest rivalry in all of college football. Ohio State at Michigan.
2: Oh, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't think it's a rivalry when one team wins fifteen out of sixteen.
2: It is historically the best rivalry in football, but that is a long time ago. We are very far away from that game being anywhere near competitive. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Who you like?
2: Give me Ohio State big. I don't even know what the line (laughs) is in this game, but give me Ohio State to cover the line. Michigan's bad. Uh, Shea Patterson is bad and Ohio State might be the best team in the country. Definitely one of the best teams in the country. Uh, che, that, that defensive end kid is going to get about 10 sacks against that bum-ass Michigan team. It's going to be ugly. This is so, Ohio State. Ohio, it's so Ohio State is eight.
1: favored by 8.5. Yeah. Oh,
2: um, that's real slow. Come on. I, I'm, I'm putting money on this. I one. might have I'm, to put be money, money on game. this.
0: I don't even gamble. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> So,
1: so yeah, Chase Young had three sacks and four tackles for loss against Penn State. The dude was unblockable. Um, Justin Field. Uh, so it started raining, like partway through the fourth quarter. So Ohio State had gotten up to up by double digits, and they said, "Okay, we're just gonna run the ball." And then they they decided to pass late, and they almost got Justin Fields knocked out <laughs> for this game. So. I mean, he he he's the straw that serves the drink. They really don't have any other options at like quarterback. No, nothing that comes close to him, at least. So I think they'll they'll come out with a, with a rapid fire attack the way they did against Michigan State, with well, the way they have really most of the most of the year, and sort of feel you out in the first quarter, and then score thirty points in the second quarter, and just sort of bleed the clock the rest of the game. That's what I expect to see. Michigan has played well in recent weeks. You know, they, they blew out Notre Dame, they blew out Indiana. Who else do they play? They've won four straight in impressive fashion. So there's yeah, they beat well, Maryland's not good, but they beat Michigan State forty four to ten in a game that's usually competitive regardless of what the records are. Like I said, they, they blew out Indiana thirty nine to fourteen and they beat Notre Dame forty five to fourteen. So I've seen some people, people who clearly don't know anything about this rivalry, say that since Ohio State has locked up the Big Ten East and basically guaranteed that uh, they'll go to the playoff as long as they win the conference, that they don't have that much to play
0: for against Michigan. I'm like... Oh, hell no. You always have like, to
2: play for against Michigan. Yeah,
0: it's like, they like can first try to of all... It don't, it don't matter which team in the Big Ten it is that's playing Michigan. It don't matter. Yeah, pe- people always bring it against Michigan. That's true. But yeah.
1: especially Ohio State. Like, this is the game. They call that for a reason. And, like, if, you, if, you, if you're an Ohio State Buckeye and you beat Michigan... You get a pair of uh, it's like, it's like it's like a a silver a silver pants like charm that you get if you win this game, and like I said, Ohio State has won fifteen of sixteen in this game. There are kids that are like high school sophomores that can only remember Michigan winning this game one time,
0: once. <laughs> what, shoot, when, when, when I was a, when I was a Michigan fan, I ain't have no memories of them beating Ohio State. They ain't beat him yeah. not one time when I was a fan.
1: Not yeah. once. She was, well, I, I remember, I'm old enough that I remember when Ohio State, I mean, when Michigan used to beat Ohio State with regularity. Like, I remember being, I'm old enough that I remember Michigan ruining Ohio State's national championship seasons at least three times. That shit's done happening. Well. That shit's gone. Jim Trestle came in and was like, all right, fuck this competitive with Michigan bullshit. <laughs> Like since since Jim Tressel came to Ohio State in 2001, Michigan has beaten Ohio State twice. Jesus. Twice they beat Michigan. They beat Ohio State in 2003, the year they got to the Rose Bowl and then lost to Vince Young in Texas. And then they beat Ohio ben. State in 2000. They beat Ohio State in 2011 when Luke Fickle was the interim head coach without Terrell Pryor without all their best offensive players and sprung into that at the very last second when Jim Trussell was given a five-year show cause penalty by the NCAA. So it took one of Michigan's like best teams ever. And like the worst year for Ohio state in the last like 50 years for, for Michigan to win and like to break barely. It's not like they blew those teams out either. They, well, they won by 14
0: that was In that, was such, a fluke, that was such a fluke year, that 2011 season, because Rich Rodder recruited so well. It didn't matter who coached that team. That team was going to win 11 games.
1: And they did, yeah. Brady Hoke won 11 games that year. Amazing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and they and thought honestly, that was the
1: future. Ohio, Ohio State still had a, ch- a really good chance to win late. Uh, they were down a touchdown. Actually, it might have been six points. And Braxton Miller missed a wide-open receiver down the sideline with less than a minute left. Of course he did. I remember thinking, yo, if he would have hit that Ohio State win, despite everything that happened that year, Ohio State still would have won that game. Now we're talking about would have been, what what's that, 16 years in a row. Can you imagine that?
0: Michigan, Michigan a Oakie light.
1: Yeah, Michigan losing to Ohio State 16 years in a row came like literally three inches from that being the case. If he pulls just a little bit, if he puts just a, like a touch less on that throw, it's 16 years in a row that that Ohio State would have beat Michigan.
2: Man. <laughs> was... what, a, what a rivalry.
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously, quote-unquote rivalry. <laughs> Fuck out of here. But yeah, Ohio State wants to beat Michigan almost as badly as Michigan State wants to beat Michigan. And that's really bad. So, I look for Justin Fields to have the, the his best game of the season. The thing is funny, as much as Ohio State has just dominated people this year... They have not played like a great game yet, which is really scary for the rest of the country that Ohio state looks this dominant and they haven't played great yet. They could have
2: beat Penn state by a lot, but they kept on making mistakes and the offense would go in and out. They'd make a drive and then fumble the ball. It felt like they should have beat Penn state by a lot more than they did. Instead, Penn state got to hang around that game pretty much the whole game because Ohio state was making dumb mistakes. And if they ever put it together where they stop making the dumb mistakes, it could be real nasty, real nasty.
1: And if, if there's a game where they're going to put it together and not turn the ball over, it's going to be this one. It's especially, especially like <laughs> if it doesn't rain. If the, if it's dry, oh my God, Ohio State's going to put up fifty again. <laughs> Remember they put they put up sixty two points last year, and this year's Ohio State defense is really good. Really good. I I like I like Ohio State by three touchdowns. I might even I might even be, I might even be selling them short, but I like Ohio State by three touchdowns. Thank you for listening to the Run the Play. My name is Ob. That's Cha. You can follow us on Twitter at Ten Clock. That's T I N C L O C K. We'll eventually have the Run the Play uh, podcast Twitter account going, but I got too much stuff going on. Outside of all of this no, I'm not, ready I'm not ready to announce it yet But you'll, you'll know, <laughs> know when, when it's
0: time Um Cha where can people find you at? You can find me on Twitter And, and Instagram At Cha is Nuclear You can also uh, check out my work um, On NuclearKite.com uh, My band Nuclear Kite about to be featured on FOFO Action Volume 2 Shout out to uh, J-, uh, J and Sadiq Smith For uh, putting me on that record And um Yeah and we out here uh, Shout out to Sadiq For uh, writing that verse For our theme song as well You know what I'm saying uh, Shout out to me For producing that beat That beat is dope <laughs> And um, yeah
2: Teej what's happening Find me at HumbleTeej on Twitter Thanks for having me on As always of Just Pray for my sanity About my longhorns And my Rockets. Just pray for me <laughs> for,
0: for sure For sure
1: I, I will not. So for, <laughs> so, so for Cha and our guest Humble Tease, my name is Oves and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.